Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three. Good luck, studio. Wow. Oh, it's that time again. Uh, Paul Chandler's going to start this whole thing he does. It's called the Shylock Podcast. It's probably going to start any minute now. Anyway, I think you'll enjoy it. Okay, sit back and relax. wanted was a pie and then i hatched out of an egg okay bring the mic over he's ready to record it's the quiet ones you've got to watch you know is it metaphoric is it is it deep is it deep look at a boy he's got all that shy is right <laughs> blimey governor it's the shy life podcast excellent Bonjour et bienvenue au podcast The Shy Life. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of The Shy Life Podcast with me, Paul the Shy Yeti. How are you doing? I'm all right. We've got a special guest this episode. Oh yes, oh yes. Um, well, who is it? Who is it? Um, I, I uh, well, of course, <laughs> the episode title may have given it away, but at time of recording... The regulars don't know um, who the special guest is going to be, so I- I'm going to uh, I'm going to see if they can guess. Um, but anyway, you can play along at home. But first, we need to run the theme music. Okay, run that theme music. Darling, it's the shy life podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You won't find a cast of characters like this everywhere. Hello, Paul. Uh, I'll go anyway if I can take Delicious. Hello, Captain. How are you? You quite like a big fan, don't you, Paul? Go Shy Yeti. Oh, I hope you haven't found out my secret. I think he has. If you thought that was bad, just listen to this. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait for it to begin. It's the Shy Life Podcast. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm strangely drawn to Yeti Uncle John's ankles as well. But has the Shy Life Podcast though, Dan? I don't think so. It's all green and meaty and yum, 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 yum. Has anyone seen my hot sausage? <laughs> hello, hello, hello. So, Cromarty, who do you think it is? Who do you think it is? Who do I think it is? I don't know. Who, who, who do I think is what? Oh, the special guest this episode. Oh, have you not already given it away? No, I've not given it away. No, no, not already. Um, come on. Well, instinctively, I want to say Queen Victoria, but uh, um, but I guess that's unlikely. Yeah, yeah, that's it's, it's kind of unlikely. What about Christopher Columbus? You do know that this is a guest on the show. Not, not like a theme of an episode. Not that I'm ever likely to do an episode on Christopher Columbus, although he may pop up in a quiz. <laughs> pop up in a quiz, Paul. I just want you to suggest somebody who is the guest of this episode. Oh, OK, right. Um, what about Madame Cholet? Madame Cholet? What, from the Wombles? Yes, I mean, I'd love if you spoke to her. Madame Cholet from the Wombles. A fictional character. Not that that stopped us before now, but... Uh, no, Paul, why are you whispering? Nothing, nothing, not at all. Okay, well, I think you've had your three guesses. Uh, Queen Victoria. Oh, no, but I said it probably wasn't her. 
so not Queen Victoria, Christopher Columbus or Madame Cholet. Yes, but don't I get one more go? Because they said Queen Victoria, because they said no to Queen Victoria. All right, go on then. Um, Winnie the Pooh. No, no, none of those. Okay, uh, well, you'll wait and see, eh? Yes, I wait and see with bated breath. Good, get that breath bated. Oh, yes, Paul. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I'm going to ask somebody else now. Oh, oh okay, Paul. suggest uh were people from other planets and um i'm not sure uh i'm not sure that uh, they are who you're speaking to no 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 aliens no aliens this time sorry Ick. if you want to suggest anybody i may well do that yes sister who and i were talking about it just the other day oh well, well cool i mean uh, we certainly haven't got a policy against having aliens on the show. I don't think I like the word alien, Paul. No, sorry, that's probably disrespectful. Otherworldly beings, extraterrestrials? Um, I have a think. I'm not sure what is the, uh, you know, approved uh, term for myself these days. Or my people. Well, they're not my people. But people from off-Earth. Off-Earthers? Mm, maybe. Um... So who could it be? Um, is it Warren? Uncle Warren? Uncle Warren is not, I guess, no. No, not this time. Okay, um, is it Nick Goodman? No, no, Nick's not on this episode. Although, you know, that was a, a good guess. And not Karen? No, not that I know of. Not unless there's room for a quiz, but I, I'm not sure. I mean, um... No. Well, that's my three guesses, then. Oh, gosh. I wonder who it could be. Look, um, Ick, you've done far better than Cromarty did. He suggested Queen Victoria, um, and then he went back on it. Christopher Columbus. Oh, the explorer. Well, yeah. Um, uh, who else did he say? Uh, Madame Cholet. Madame Cholet. Oh, don't worry. A fictional character from the Wombles. I mean, yeah, she's cool and everything, but... Uh, Probably not my favourite Womble. Okay, Paul. And then Winnie the Pooh was suggested. Oh, Winnie the Pooh, I think I met him once. Did you? Okay. Okay. Oh, well, it wasn't any of those either. It, no, no, it wasn't any of them either. So, uh How many other people are you going to ask, Paul? Probably just Yeti Uncle John. I think after that I'll have lost the will to live. Yes, Paul. I'll let you get on with it. Thanks. Oh, who do I think it could be? Who do I think the guest could be? Um, uh, magpies? Magpies, who do you think? Oh, yes. All right. Could be. What did they say, Yeti Uncle John? Well, uh, they have suggested, um, well, uh, are you sure? Is that your first guess? Gosh, if even you are unsure about the magpies' choice. Can, can I have a choice and the magpies? I thought the magpies were acting as your advisors. Yes, I'm just not sure. Uh, oh, it's Oliver Cromwell has been suggested. Surprised the magpies know who Oliver Cromwell is. They're very educated. 
they're very educated. They often speak to, uh, uh, you know, Lisa, Lisa Parker from uh, around the archives. She, she's very knowledgeable. She is indeed. She's talked about history on this show more than once. Um, I mean, but knowing knowing who Oliver Cromwell is or being educated to uh, who Oliver Cromwell is doesn't make him the guest on the show. You're sliding down the same slippery slope as Cromarty by suggesting people who have been dead for many, many, many years. Hear that, Magpies? Yeah, think again. Go on. Ask them, ask them for another suggestion. Uh, Magpies, another suggestion, please. Something a bit more, um, a bit more, you know, something a, a bit more realistic. Good idea. All right. Yes. No, fair enough. Yes. All right. All right. Sure. Okay. All right. Who are they suggesting? And before you say anything, Kylie and Madonna are probably out of our price range. No, they didn't suggest Kylie or Madonna. Oh, good. Who are they suggesting? The actress Olivia Coleman. The actress Olivia Coleman. I think she's out of our price range too. Oh, apparently not. She's a, a big fan of uh, being on podcasts. <laughs> really? Are you sure? I still don't think she'd be on our podcast. Nice idea, but no, it's not Olivia Coleman. Although I would love it to be. Yes, okay. Magpies, I mean, Paul, at least she's alive. She's alive, yeah. Magpies at least are working a bit more, um, yeah. Um, I mean, I'd like to say that the guest we have is as good or better than any of the people that have been named so far. I would rather have this guest on my show than Oliver Cromwell. Well, that's a, that's a bold claim. Yes, and Christopher Columbus. I don't know what I'd say to these people. Madame Cholet. I mean, Madame... Ch- I don't know. I think I think our guest can cook. I think he can... Ooh, I said he... Oh, dear, Paul, you've given it away. I haven't, I haven't given it away. There's a lot of he's out there. Yes, I suppose so. Yeah, I'm just thinking... Is he as good a cook as Madame Cholet? A fictional womble. Stop using that word, Paul. What, womble? No, fictional. You say it like it's a bad thing. Say it like it's a bad thing. Um, come on. The guest is ready to arrive. He, he is ready to arrive. He is. One more go. Oh, sorry. Magpies, one last go. Come on now. Do you think so? Are you sure? Oh, I think you're taking a... I think you're taking a risk with this one, mate, guys. Oh, all right, all right, I suggest it. Oh, all right. They've not suggested Jack the Ripper, have they? No, Paul, that's distasteful. No, they haven't. Who have they suggested? Uh, Paul, it's the magpies, uh, you know, suggestion. Yeah, but the magpies are speaking for you, Yeti Uncle John. It was your idea to use them. Who yeah, are right. the magpies? Just the Scarlet Pimpernel. No, it's not the Scarlet Pimpernel. Magpies, Yeti Uncle John. Oh, for oh for oh oh darn it, darn it. Yes. Well, I will reveal that our guest is is a guest 
who has been on the show before and who has contributed many messages, much music during 2022. It is the one, the only, Muchly on tour. I didn't think he'd come back. What do you mean? Oh, he was on the show before. I mean, he wants more. Is he a glutton for punishment? You come back on the show for more? Yeah, but I kind of have to, don't I? Oh, thank you, John. Please, um, you support my uh, announcement. Listeners, we have Muffley on tour and he's coming up now. And yes, he did agree to come back on the show a second time. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Times must be hard. Uncle John, you're so horrible. Oh no! What's it saying? Wrote it. I know we spoke earlier online and I was saying how I was going to have a re- an easy day, a nice, easy, quiet day, yeah. and um, completely failed to do that because I ended up um, yeah, going for a run and oh, doing some music and doing some shopping, food shopping, mm-hmm. and doing some cooking. So I failed miserably. I definitely think there's, there's an art to doing nothing. You should tell me you're going to do lots of things and then not do them. Do the opposite. If you're going to do the opposite, you can... <laughs> I know, so um, it's definitely, um, there must definitely be an art to it, like sort of literally doing nothing rather than just like um, getting distracted into sort of doing sort of this, that and the other, um, you know, just even just being able to sit on the sofa and do the crossword or read a book. So yeah, yeah. definitely that age old thing, I think I need it's to slow down. Easier to do creative things, but going for a jog, you can't do that by accident. Can't accidentally start doing a jog, really. <laughs> well, it's interesting because on the creative fronts, I've been sort of dabbling with a few bits of music this weekend, and mm. um, nothing's really sort of completely clicked into place. It's one of those things when you're doing something, you've got a few germs of ideas, but they're not like sort of you know home runs if you want to call them that. So you start sort of tinkering away with them, and then tinkering away with them a bit more. And um, that was the case yesterday. I'd been doing some music for about an hour or so, and I I just stopped because it was just like sort of not really getting anywhere. And then when I did some music this morning, um, it was it was actually sort of what I decided to do was go for the run to, to clear my head. And sometimes, uh-huh. probably like you with walking, sometimes when I go for a run or whatever, or if I'm hiking in the lakes, you can have your best ideas, or it sort of like clears the decks a bit, basically. Mm. So, um, I mean, not that I did much more with the music, but it made me sort of realise, well, that thing you did yesterday was 
a bit of a waste of time. So just let's just bin that. And then um, the thing you've been working on today, the start bit's okay, but um, you're sort of getting into a bit of cliche territory. So don't bother with the rest of it. So even though I haven't created anything, I've kind of started the journey to creating something. If that makes sense. Yeah, I, I have. I've had that a couple of times where I'm quite good at adapting. If things are going wrong, I'll turn them into like going back to the days of Sutton Park in the middle of a scene, the metallic man's fingers, which were just like one of those grabby hands, all snapping off on camera. And I, I just kept on, on filming and kind of came up with, oh, he was going to then go and lie and t- tell somebody he'd been attacked. But um, but but um, I remember we were doing a Chatterbox episode. I think it was a Chatterbox episode. No, actually, no, it was a... It was back in lockdown when we were doing um, Round the Archives, the extra episodes. And for some reason, somebody's feed didn't record. So I asked Toby if I could just... Did you say feet or feet? I know you've been obsessed by feet in the past, or Yeti Uncle John's feet. Yeah. Well, that's ankle, ankles, isn't it? Yeah. yeah Someone, someone's feet didn't record. No, the feet. The feet, yeah, because everyone was recording separate tracks. And... And when one didn't come out, so it kind of spoilt the whole thing. It couldn't really be used. But I said to Troby, I think I can use it. Um, so I think I had, I don't know, Ick or somebody <laughs> filling in the lines. Oh, I think it was Nick's feed didn't go. And it was unfortunate because he'd never been on one of those live episodes. So, But I, I, I just replaced him with, with, with one of the regulars doing his lines. <laughs> well, what, sort of at, guessing what he'd, he'd said. So we were still able to use it. But... Um, and then yesterday I was filming, I was recording, so I with my friend Simon who took, took me out. And um, yes, yeah, so, uh, Simon said he'd be on the podcast, but when he started, he was really, really shy. So he didn't, I didn't get that much of, of the recording done. Um, so I, I've come up with a, an alternative. I've come up with, I've come up with um, um, something that, that, that will make it work, but it's not what I, not, not what I was, not what I was thinking. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm not, I don't think I've ever had a, I don't think I've ever had a guest kind of get so shy that they stop talking. <laughs> he did apologise. <laughs> I can kind of appreciate that because um, just when I've been doing like the little sort of snippets when I've been away on my um, travels, there was times that I got sort of very self-conscious. A because yeah, you're just sort of recording into a microphone and you know that, you know, there's going to be lots of people listening to it on the podcast, but also just, you think, oh, people are going to judge me that I'm on this holiday, I'm here on the other side of the world, this, that, and the other and stuff. And you just have to kind of sort of put all that to one side and just kind of, it's such a cliche, isn't it? But just be yourself, I guess. I did, I did uh, record with an old university friend. The episode might have just come out by the time this episode comes out. And, um, and when I was looking at the two tracks, I was thinking, oh gosh, uh, he, there is there, there is movement on his track, but did I just like talk the whole time and and not give him a chance to say anything, or or did I keep talking because I wasn't sure, um, you know, sort of whether whether um, he had he had an answer, um, but uh, I, I guess it, I guess you get used to sort of. Um, having to talk a lot <laughs> that's true and maybe just for the last few years of you know talking not in front of people but with people it's interesting because i've got a friend who off camera or off mic is just amazingly funny does lots of voices great sort of improv and stuff but and i say to him oh you know you should you know you should do some stuff if you thought about doing some amdram or and he just completely clams up and says no don't want to do it 
It's very yeah. much just like his little private thing. And he's very, very unhappy with that. Um, mm. Along the same lines um, with the theatre group that I'm involved with, uh, one of, not that I want to sort of put people on a sort of grading system, but one of the better actors that we've got, like, he's very impressive. Mm. Um, when it comes to sort of workshopping things and improvising, he again just completely clams up, sort of saying, like, and you've got any ideas for this? And like, no. And just completely sort of turns into this other person. It's, it's very interesting how, um, you know, people can sort of be sort of absolutely amazing, but then, you know, be it shyness or just sort of, you know, a fear of sort of whatever makes them sort of clam up a bit. But, um, yeah, I've definitely got a few people I would have liked to have on the show, but I don't think it'll ever happen because they're, they're like that off, off, off mic. They're like uh, you know, doing silly voices or whatever. And mm. I think they've got, I think they've got things that are subjects that are, also, it's, it's when, you, when, you, when you've got friends who have hobbies that are very different, because obviously we often ha- have people on, on this show because we've got similar likes, or, we've, or we've, we like TV, or we like music. Or we, but I have a few friends who who, who also have just uh, like hobbies that I've never talked about. Or, um, so it would be nice to kind of get them on for that reason. But um, It's interesting, because sure. just as I was setting up for today... Um, there's a bookcase behind me and um, I was looking for a cable or whatever it was, hello deals, I was looking for a cable <laughs> and whilst I was looking for it I noticed all my all my, it's not a full set, but my target books on the top of the shelf and I was thinking oh, which one should I read, so yeah, maybe I should field some suggestions from people, like what's a good target book, or what are your favourite target books, yeah so there we go yeah, I'm I've been reading my first Agatha Christie in a long time. I read, I, I, was re- I read her books like mad when I was about 12 or 13. Yes, Deanie, come and say hello if you want to. Um, and I have re- I, so I read lo- lots of them. You know, they're almost the first things I jumped from, like the, uh, the kiddie books you were supposed to read at school to, to Agatha Christie. And, uh, and, and, and then sort of didn't do the intermediary. I sort of went from one to another. You didn't do um, um, Nancy Boys and... Was it? Was it? Was it? Not the <laughs> Freudian slip. The Hardy yeah. Boys and Nancy Drew. <laughs> I, I don't. Sorry. I think I would have done if I'd have. I think I would have done if I. Um, I would have done if I'd have. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I came across those. In fact, I'm. I've, I've been reading a few. I've been reading the um, the novel that inspired the film. I know what you did last summer, and that that was um, written for teenagers. Um, oh, and it's okay. probably quite, I think, a bit different from the film. Um, and and it, it, the weird thing is, the copy I bought, uh, although it was written in the 70s, it's been up, updated sure. uh, so that there's talk of like GPS or mobile phones. So I, I guess there's not much else changed, but um, deals, are you going to come and join? You're coming up. Come on then. Yeah. Oh, hello, Deals. <laughs> yes, we're talking. We're talking to. Uh, I think Monroe is outside on the shed. Monroe has a nemesis, oh. Fluffy, who's another black cat, yeah. who keeps um, coming over. We think Fluffy wants to make friends, but Monroe's not having any of it at the moment. Mm. So there's a little bit of friction going on there. Yeah. Talking of reading, uh, I mean, there's sort of parallels with you growing up in Salisbury. Me. Well, in the area of Salisbury, me in the area of Cambridge, because we lived in a village called Combaton, mm. and um, it had 
where's where our, our school was, our comprehensive school, Compton Village College, which is still there. But it was like part of a sort of wider sort of um, community kind of thing, which included having like um, a library. Mm-hmm. So very much sort of, um, you know, keen sort of purveyors of the library. And I'm trying to think what stuff I'd, I would get out. Um, I remember... I think they had some target books. I remember yeah. there was a Star Trek book called The Entropy Effect, which I never got, but I um, I just always remember the cover. I'll have to Google it, or you'll have to Google it, maybe, because mm. it just had sort of quite sort of a bit like the Doctor Who New Adventures. It's sort of quite yeah. stylized versions of the main characters, mm. Mm. and even to this day, I kind of feel like I should um, I should um, try and track it down at some point. But um, in our household. Obviously, this was all pre-Harry Potter's and what else. I always remember sort of there was all the um, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and my brother did the whole Lord of the Rings thing. In terms of Agatha Christie, yeah, I think my my dad was very into Agatha Christie, and Dorothy L. Sayers as well was another one. Yeah, I I did. I remember doing a like some sort of a demonstration thing at, at school about. Well, mainly about bell ringing, because I very briefly did bell ringing, um, but I was probably a little bit too young, really, and not really sort of big enough to be to be doing it. But there's a Dorothy L. Sayers one that's that's about bell ringing. And I think I probably talked a bit about bell ringing and um, a bit about that that book, but I don't think I actually read the whole of the book all the way through because um, I think some of some of those. Um, I used to walk past an old bookshop on the way back from the school I went to for a couple of years, which was um, really good for sort of, I think I, it's one of those things where you start, you collect the book, you collect books, but you don't get necessarily get around to reading them for years after, if, if ever. <laughs> You're spending your pocket money on them. But. It's um, interesting, growing up in Cambridge, I'd go into town with my dad on a Saturday, mm. and there was there was a bookseller that had also had a stall at the market in Cambridge on a Saturday. Mm. And as a kid, I used to find this quite tedious because like, my dad would be sort of leafing through the books. But obviously now, at my age, it's just absolutely heaven, you know, sort mm. of rooting around and never quite knowing sort of what you're going to find. So, um, yeah, although I have, I think it's probably because of sort of life events, I have sort of whittled down sort of the number of books I've got. Um, mm. I think... When my dad died in 2013, yeah, gosh, 2013, uh, we had a whole house to clear. So um, we took that opportunity to sort of get rid of quite a lot of things to charity shops and what have you. And then um, I guess when um, Angelique moved in as well, we had that classic thing where you sort of got sort of um, duplicates of things. So uh, got rid of stuff then. And um, I've still got sort of a fair few books, but nothing like sort of the the mountains that I used to have. I mean, my my obligatory to be read pile isn't as big as it used to be. Still, sort of obviously fairly big, but you know, not as bad as it used to be. But just going back to Agatha Christie, I think very much um, my parents were very very fond of the Joan Hicks and Miss Marples. That was definitely their thing. Right? You know, Sunday night, a little glass of sherry. <laughs> watching a, a Joan Hicks and Marple, that was their idea of heaven. And then um, nowadays we have the thing where 
Angelique, who is French, loves watching the Poirots. I mean, obviously, everyone knows, I think, the Poirot character is Belgian. He does yeah. slip in. He speaks. He's a French-speaking Belgian. But she absolutely loves watching Poirots. And obviously, pretty much any time of the day, there'll be like a Poirot on ITV3. And also, obviously, you've got the stuff and catch-up. But we've got the weird thing. We've got French TV. We've basically got the French equivalent of Freeview. And they have like uh, Poirot, they have Midsummer Murders, which they call Inspector Barnaby. Yeah. And there's a few other ones that they give slightly different names to. But it's quite strange watching Poirot on French TV dubbed into French. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a bit of a sort of mind bender. So, um, I, I, I used to watch the Joan Hicksons at the time, and I, I think I quite like to watch the one I'm reading at the moment because. I don't remember enough about them to know whether this is a typical one, but I think it's one of the last Miss Marples. I'm reading one called Nemesis. Yes, and, that was a um, good one. Yeah, I remember yeah. it paled as a good one at the time. Yeah, um, uh, and there's quite a lot from her point from her point of view and her her thoughts, and and some quite interesting, quite fun sort of uh, descriptions of the characters she's meeting. At the moment, it's a bit like um, Miss Marple goes on carry on camping or something. <laughs> yeah, she's on a big she's on a, journey, a, isn't she? Yeah. Journey. Yeah. Um, uh, but we also used to like Bergerac a lot in the uh, uh, in our household. So, uh, that didn't feature as much. Um, my dad liked the Rockford Files and all things. He, he was a, not a fan of American TV at all. He hated it with a passion because he just thought it was all guns and yeah. car chases. But the one... Um, Exception, I think, maybe Columbo as well was the Rockford Files because mm-hmm. it was more sort of character based, I think. Mm-hmm. So he enjoyed that. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, well, we kind of liked Bergerac because of um, we went to Jersey and Guernsey, Guernsey quite a lot in the 80s. Sure. So when my brother came along, I think any 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 um, chance of going on sort of holidays involving hotels was a bit out. out. Uh, it was easier to go to self-catering places with a with a screaming baby. But, sure. um, but uh, and also, Bergerac has a lot of Doctor Who connections. It does and, indeed. Course, I was just um, going to say, um, I've never been the biggest fan of the newer Marples that came mm, out about uh, ten years ago because of the stunt casting. So it's a bit mm. of sort of the John Nathan Turner syndrome, you know, like all who who. You know who's well known to everybody can get in this role rather than sort of casting someone on their sort of talent alone. So I wasn't such a fan of the newer Marples, but yes, uh, I have seen that with Bergerac. That's like, oh, it's it's them, and oh, it's Louise Jameson, and this that and that. So yes, very good point indeed. And I've also, when I'm reading my bits of my 1990 diary, I'm I find I'm, I crit- I commented on particular episodes as they were being screened, which. Um, it's sort of funny how how actually you know, some people say, "Oh, they've changed." You know, in thirty years, I've changed. Oh, you wouldn't recognise me. But I, I, I mean, I might look I might look different, but when I'm reading my diary, I'm like, "Yeah, I recognise my I recognise myself." Sure. I still talk about all these subjects on the podcast now. Sure. Uh, I remember what was it, 1982, when Channel Four started? If I'm correct, was it something like that? Yeah. Um, again, it used to be a bit of a sort of. Um, tradition that um they were showing the avengers and sort of me my brother and my dad would always like sit down to watch an episode of the avengers and um yeah that was always good because my dad would he would sort of 
suddenly sort of produce like a mystery bar of chocolate or some muffins or crumpets that we'd have as our little treats. Um, but my dad used to do that thing where, um, I don't know if I mentioned this before, because it had obviously had Patrick McNee in as yeah. lead. When Patrick McNee was in anything else, if he was like guest starring in, I don't know, The Love Boat mm. or Columbo, he just called him Steed. Said, oh, Steed's in that thing tonight. <laughs> and it's just like, um, I think he did the thing same with Tony Robinson, that whatever Tony Robinson was doing, he just referred to him as Baldrick all the time. So when Time Team was on on a Sunday evening, he said, oh, Baldrick's on tonight. <laughs> it's like, oh, you mean Time Team? Yeah, yeah, Baldrick. It's like, oh, yeah, I think I know what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, um... I, 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 my parents let me down a bit with the Avengers. I just happened to stumble upon it being on, and then sort of, and I think I was vaguely aware of what it was, or remembered a, a comic strip from one of those comic strip magazines where I'd bought like the annual TV comic annual or something from a jumble sale. Um, so I was kind of vaguely aware, and, and once I discovered it, I, I, I sort of, because I think it was on in the like maybe on Saturday evenings at one point, and then it started being shown at, like, on Channel 4 at more like tea time. Um, I think it did change, yes. That does ring a bell. And I think they also showed them out of order, or they showed them more than once in that around that. Um, That's true. Um, I'm not even sure how early we got Channel 4. I um, don't know if we got it immediately, or whether we certainly didn't get Channel 5 till, till or where I was living at the time, we didn't get Channel 5. Not that there's that much that I want to see on Channel 5, um, generally. But uh, um. but um, I think The Avengers was, ironically, because it was made by ABC, not ITC, mm-hmm. it was definitely sort of opened the door to all that kind of ITC spy-fi stuff for me. So from there, I, you know, I found out about The Champions and Department S and Jason King and what have you. I actually met uh, P.T. Wingard twice in my life, which was quite an experience both times. Yeah. He, he, was very Peter, Peter, he was very Peter Wingard, let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> the second time, he, he, was, he went off on an a- anecdote about um, how Peter O'Toole had gifted him a couple of purdy rifles. And yeah. it was just like, sort of like, it's like, yeah, just sort of, he was that sort of, because I'd mentioned, because I knew that he was into sort of, he used to do sort of some shooting of some sort or whatever, that was mm. his thing. And as soon as I mentioned that, his eyes lit up and he started, you know, regaling me with his story. <laughs> it's like, uh, okay. But no, the Avengers, which of course Peter Wingard featured how many times? Mm. He was in A Touch of Brimstone, the mm. black and white one, which was obviously sort of regarded as quite sort of um, saucy for the time. And then... He was in Epic as well. Uh, it was quite often that they would have, have them almost like once a season. I, I remember reading about um, when, he, when he was in Doctor Who and Planet of Fire, he wanted to be made up really old. And John Nathan Turner said, like, no, <laughs> we, we want people to know it's you. We don't, there's no point casting you and sticking you in under, under loads of makeup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> You know, you paid top dollar for all of that. So, yeah. Mm. But, um, so, yeah, it was very much <coughs> the doorway to sort of um, other things. So, yeah, and The Prisoner, of course. My brother was a bit older than me. So, I think The Prisoner was also showing on Channel 4 around the time. Mm. So, my brother would have been 15, 16. So, very much kind of angsty teenager. So, the whole sort of number six kind of against the world <laughs> would, would have been right up his street at the time. Mm. And, uh, 
it was um in terms of doctor who it was uh my brother went to the doctor who exhibition at blackpool and oh, right, the reason yeah. i remember it so vividly is because he lost his coat there um <laughs> so what was meant to be this you know great experience yeah. for him back in whatever year it was <laughs> turned a bit sour because yeah he got a sort of um a very sort of um severe telling off for losing his coat and uh <laughs> I remember we all got frog marched into CNA to buy him another coat. And <laughs> it was like sort of, yeah, the reason we're here shopping is because your brother has lost his coat and he's very sort of, um, you know, reckless and can't sort of look after his own possessions. And so like, <laughs> that was my abiding memory of the doctor, which I wasn't allowed to go to. Maybe I was too uh-huh. time. I don't know. So uh, we're more familiar with the, uh, the Longleat one because that was, that's much, that's much closer to Salisbury. Uh, and yes. then we, uh, I, put, I went with my parents, and also then it got into in the 90s. It was a sort of an annual sort of um, uh, pilgrimage with with Dick and Troby and anybody else. I've seen the video? Yes. Very, <laughs> very jealous. Yeah, I didn't really have anything like that, but. Uh... back to the thing about like secondhand bookshops or being on holiday there was always you know in the pre-video and dvd days you know a frisson of excitement if you're in this bookshop and they had like a target book that you didn't have especially mm. if it was like a secondhand one and it was like going for like 20p or 30p or something it just like absolutely made your day and then if we were like caravanning in wales or wherever it was uh, you know you could just hide away and read your, your doctor who book instead of getting dragged out by your dad you know, walking up a hill in the rain. We, we, used, to have, 
<laughs> we used to have um, a mobile library up come to the village, and I, th- I think there was, I remember there being a time where I borrowed quite a lot, probably more than I should, and uh, but I'm not even sure I was of the age where I could necessarily read them that you know that that well on my own. Uh, I was that young, but I, I it was more about the covers and having something that was doc, Doctor Who sure. before I eventually owned them myself. Anyway, but uh, I think I was because we're very close in age. Um, it was similar for me because I think my brother would be reading would have been reading a few of the target books so again i would have seen the covers when i was quite sort of small but also you'd have the things where there'd be sort of um doctor who promotions on packets of cereals and stuff or like they'd give away free transfers and things that you sort of mm-hmm. um you know sort of play with and things so that was probably more my introduction i've got vague um memories of watching it in the 70s i can't you know, if I was to think about it, I can't remember the first Doctor Who I ever saw, but obviously I was just always aware of it. I can remember some specific Doctor Who's. I can mm. remember the Keeper, Keeper of Traken, because yeah. I remember the sort of the stone statue thing. Yeah. And I was, I was, you know, quite impressed with Nyssa, even at that young age, I think. <laughs> um, and that classic thing, sort of, again, people of our age, the Master was this... Ainley bloke, and it was only sort of years later. Yeah. Roger Delgado, who's this Roger Delgado you're talking about? And then you see Roger Delgado, it's like, oh wow, that was you know, you know, that was definitive, that was amazing. So, I think so, yeah, the Cuba Truck, and, and I can for some reason remember watching um, The Visitation, yeah, um, where the doctor loses his sonic screwdriver because I was at my friend Owen Brown's house, um, and we're watching it there. I remember sort of watching that and cycling back to my my house. Trouble with um, trouble with the Davison seasons is with them being on in the week. Uh, it sometimes clashed with things my parents wanted me to do, like cubs and all that sort of thing. And uh, yeah. it, it became used as a, a re- another reason for why I should leave cubs because uh, <laughs> I didn't want to miss Doctor Who because you couldn't you couldn't just video it back in in, in that those sort of years. It, it was all before that sort of thing, and it certainly was in our house. I mean, it took a bit longer for us to get. Yeah. yeah, do you remember what year you got a video? Because I can distinctly remember 1985 for us, mm. and um, I can remember that because my birthday, which was on, what still is on the 13th of July, doesn't, <laughs> yeah. doesn't change. Uh, <laughs> and it was Live Aid. It was Live Aid on Saturday, the 13th of July, 1985, and we just got a video. And it was treated with, you know, great sort of um, reverence. I think my mum, you know, typical mum, she put like a sort of a special blanket, you know, like you do when you have like a sort of, you know, your, your best china or your tea service. You have like a blanket. Uh, so, yeah, it was like sort of regarded as this great, you know, amazing mystical object. Yeah. But I remember we rented a video for my birthday and the video we rented was uh, The Empire Strikes Back, of all things. Mm. I can't remember how much it cost, but this was back in the day when, you know, just buying video, you know, again, try try to explain this to those kids these days. The thought of buying an actual video of a film was just sort of unheard of, really. Yeah. So, um... Uh, we, hired, we hired one in about 83 because of, of something meant we couldn't, we had to cancel our summer holiday, and so to sort of make up for it, for it they, hired, they hired a video 
and I think it was around the time that Blake Seven Series Four was being repeated. Uh, but then I think it still took us a while before. I, maybe we did have one by about eighty-five or eighty-six, uh, having had a trial over the summer, um, and certainly by eighty-eight, I had my own one in my bedroom by then. So it shows how they've gone down down in price, probably. Sure, sure. I, I definitely recorded season twenty-five and season twenty-six. In my in my bedroom, um, and uh, had the tapes all freshly marked up and everything. Yeah, I think by the sort of mid to late eighties, we had the thing where you know, you know, the main telly downstairs, you know, now have this thing called teletext, mm. which my dad was very enamoured of, and so the old black and white, you know, sort of um, made its way upstairs mm. to my bedroom. I'm trying to remember if I actually took a telly away with me to university or not. I'm not sure I did have a TV for the first year, thinking about it. But yeah, strange. And obviously no I, smartphones or anything back in those days. I, d- I did have a TV at university, but no, I don't think the TV reception was very good. I don't know if the, I guess the bed, for the first few months I was in digs with the family, and I guess they didn't necessarily, the bedroom I was in didn't necessarily have a another aerial socket to plug in. So I just had like a, uh, like a, a little area on top of my TV, which meant that the reception was. I can picture it already. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, twisting the thing. Because yeah. it was around the time when that um, Ghost Watch was on. That was oh, my yes. first. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was my first um, term at university, and uh, and uh, yeah. So I never. People ask me what I thought. You know, like years later, asked me what I thought of it, and. I didn't think much of it because I couldn't see it, half of it. I think I was away that weekend, so I set the video for it. And when I came back, it was unwatchable. Um, but uh, I mean, I think for about five years or more, my TV for me was basically watching videos because wherever I lived, there wasn't great TV reception, either at university or at uh, um, or, or at the place I lived at my first couple of jobs uh, at. Uh, yeah, I think for for us, I mean, I was at uni between 1991 and 95, mm-hmm. and it did seem to be more, as you say, sort of focused around watching videos or like sort of so-and-so would have a copy of, you know, Aliens, and you had a copy of Aliens, so it's, oh, let's do a swap, you know, we'll sort of, you know, sort of take turns watching that, and then, oh, someone else has got whatever it is, you know, Superman 2, and so there was all this kind of sort of... Um, not bartering, but sort of definitely sort of like swapping of sort of various VHS tapes, I would say. And also, you could go to the video shop and not. I don't remember lo, sort of necessarily loaning videos from like Blockbuster, but Blockbuster was also quite a good place for five quid videos or like of things like Evil Dead or Friday the Thirteenth or Halloween. Um, and uh, I think even then, I, I was more into collecting. <laughs> adding to my collection rather than just borrowing and giving back so i'd consider a film if it was in the five pound bin as long as it was a film i kind of you had a reputation i never um got into collecting videos once i'd sort of left home for uni and then sort of when i moved to london it was more i guess still very much um collecting cdds cds and books um, when I moved to, actually started living in London, which would have been in 1997, 
I lived in Camden, which was interesting because it was in that sort of slightly post Britpop phase. Yeah. So like you'd had sort of, I'd say, what years would you call the peak of Britpop? I'd say sort of probably sort of early to mid nineties. Yeah. And I think sort of Blur's Blur's Blur album with was it Beetle Bum on was mm. very much the sort of come down from Britpop. Yeah. And um, it just tied in really sort of thematically with me where I was because um, I'd been working in London, I'd split up from a relationship and it broke my arm as well. So all these, you know, sometimes, as they say, these things happen in three years. I had all these life events going on and then I found myself living in Camden, which is meant to be this sort of swinging, sort of amazing Britpop hub. But of course, it wasn't as amazing as it's portrayed, it was just like, you know, mm. in some respects, just another sort of, you know, another sort of area of London. But you would have that situation sometimes where you'd uh, bump into Damon Albarn and Graham Coxon, a member of bumping into as well. Mm. Graham, um, no, Damon Albarn spoke to us, but that's probably because he took a shine to my female housemate. So yeah, I think that's the only reason he, <laughs> he, was, he was so chatty with us. Yeah. But there'd be other people, I think there was one time actually, and again, me and my then flatmate just kind of looked at each other, sort of like dumbstruck. We're just like walking down Camden High Street and um, Nick Cave and Kylie just walked past us. <laughs> we just kind of looked at each other, sort of dumbstruck, said, did that just happen? I saw Jarvis Cocker on the tube once, but I was with somebody who didn't know who he was, which was embarrassing because they kept asking, who, who is that, who is that? Like if you don't, if you didn't know who Jarvis Cocker was in 1995, then where had you been? It was, it was embarrassing. <laughs> I got to see Pulp play at Finsbury Park in 1998. I think it was summer 1998. They released "This Is Hardcore." So again, it's kind of their come down from Britpop album, isn't it? So they'd done a different class, which came out a few years previously, and then you know, "This Is Hardcore" had a very different, different sort of feel to it. And I remember Pulp were headlining, Catatonia were playing as well, uh, Bentley Rhythm Ace, if you remember them, they were playing, and uh, trying to think who uh, else was on the bill. I saw Pulp twice, I saw them once in Birmingham in 1995, in late 1995, around the time a different class came out, and um, I bought the tickets not knowing where I would be, because this was, I feel like this was supposed to be October um, 1995, I didn't actually know where in the world I would be having finished university at the, just, just soon after I bought the tickets. But as it was, I did get back. I was, I did get back up there. Um, and, and went, and then I think I saw them at some in the noughties, maybe at the Royal, I'm sure it was at the Royal Albert Hall. Although I can't remember who I went with because I said, I recently mentioned it to Callum and he sort of didn't, I thought I went with Callum because I went to most things with Callum, but it must've been, I went with somebody else. Um, but I definitely saw them. I think it was for some charity, sort of thing as well so uh, I just can't remember who I went with but uh, and I saw Catatonia when they did their first album so they hadn't really started being that successful um, but their first album Way Beyond Blue is prob- probably their best album ah, anyway right because the second one was the big one was it which was, yeah. was it International um, Velvet International Velvet yes yeah. Yeah. in Salisbury was there like a local sort of venue where you would get sort of reasonable sized bands coming to or did you have to travel further afar? Probably was, but I wasn't really in Salisbury when when I was I, I, when I was going to gigs because even when I went back to Salisbury in '94 
and had my placement for nine months and, and lived back in Salisbury, even though I was at university. I, I didn't really start going to gigs until 90, beginning of 95. So, uh, and, and there hasn't been that much time sort of after that 94 where I've lived, lived there to go to gigs there. So that, that I can imagine where some of them, where some people go to, but I've never actually been to a, a gig in my adult life in Salisbury. Um, it'd be something with my parents. Um, in Cambridge, but, we've got the Cambridge Corn Exchange, which is like a sort of medium-sized hall-type venue thing. And I, could, <laughs> I wouldn't really call it a gig. I can remember the first gig I went to with my mates, and it was like mm. the most un-rock and roll thing <laughs> possible. It was the um, classical guitarist John Williams. <laughs> so, yeah, not very rock and roll at all. But uh, did go to see other things. I mean, I remember seeing James there a couple of times, who were very good to see back in the day. Yeah. Um, that was quite a sort of, uh, you know, definite sort of vibe going on. And quite a lot of us from Sixth Form College would go and see. I think we saw um, They Might Be Giants as well. So we'd, we'd see sort of various... I was I was quite into that. I never saw they might be giants, but I was very, I was kind of into them quite a lot in that pre-Brit pop sort of very early nineties. Um, uh, same, yeah. He he would buy all the albums and then I basically I'd do copy copies of them so I can I can yeah. still I can hear Particle Man going off in my head. Yeah, as I speak. yeah. because they the the album that had um, uh, um, Birdhouse in My Soul was like. <laughs> Like their third or fourth or whatever album, but yeah. but then they released those earlier ones again that, that had probably not been released or, or had been released without anybody knowing they'd been released over here. Um, so suddenly there was quite a lot you could get hold of around that sort of ninety one, ninety two, uh, because there was all their old albums coming. That kind of dovetails into REM because I think Birdhouse and Your Soul was meant to be seen as a sort of kind-hearted sort of REM pastiche. If you think about the sort of vocal sort of mannerisms. Yeah. It's a bit sort of Michael Stipe. But the same thing happened with um, REM, didn't it? They had like the big, big hit with um, Shiny Happy People. Mm. And, you know, a number of people didn't realise they'd been going for years and then had like about five or six and, albums out beforehand, yeah. Shiny Happy People, it, it's, it's one of those songs that I know REM themselves don't like much and didn't, and didn't, even though it was a big hit for them, I think only one of them, perhaps the guy who wrote it, um, so I think that's why it's not on. Well, it may it may have been since, but when they did their first greatest hits, it wasn't on there because they they vetoed the other three or two or whatever, um, vetoed um, it being on there. Um, but as a B52s fan as well, I took against that because that's kind of like an insult to Kate Pearson um, to slag off your own song, and when you've got a guest singer on it, uh, okay. who is part part of the main reason it's a good song but i uh, this was i think still when i was at sixth form when it came out and i was in a band and we, we played it so i've got yeah again mixed feelings about it because i think sometimes when we played it it came out really well because we had like a sort of again we had our <laughs> own sort of guest kate pearson who'd come up and sort of sing those mm-hmm. bits yeah. but <laughs> other times we played it not due to any fault of hers whatsoever you know she'd be coming at the wrong time and we'd still be in the middle of a verse and like ah oh. <laughs> so yeah when you when you mention that song sort of i've got my own sort of <laughs> mixed mixed memories of it so yeah it's uh, strange but then um as i said i i went to uni in hartford mm. in yeah literally hartford hartfordshire as part of the Hatfield, well, it started as the Hatfield Poly Business School and then turned into the University of Hertfordshire. Um, and 
we were sort of fairly close to London, so we go to see some gigs. I remember seeing this shows my age. I remember seeing Pop Police itself at the Brixton Academy, yeah. which was quite a riotous event. And then falling really badly ill with the flu for about two weeks after. That's, so that's probably more what I remember from the gig is just getting really ill as a result. So yeah, we'd go into we'd go into London sometimes to see gigs. My friend Kerry, who I ended up flat sharing with at university, was very into pop, well, pop related itself, but more so um, the Wonder Stuff and say. Uh, uh, Jesus Jones and Kingmaker and people like that. Uh, I think um, for a while after I, after we left university, I couldn't listen to Wonder Stuff because he played it so much, um, and and it, it, yeah. it I had to have a I had to. Have, I had to have a break. <laughs> I, um, through no fault of their own, I absolutely despise Deacon Blue because I shared a house with someone for a year and all they played, try not to swear, all they played was Deacon Blue <laughs> all the time. And yeah, it's just one of, I just can't listen to it anymore. Deacon Blue are kind of weird, weird because I don't, I would have said I don't like them, but then there was, uh, I think maybe, I don't know if it was their last album that they did before that i know they've probably come back together again and they have but that, but, but there was a we had will we be lovers on that they were hits but they weren't as well known as their early stuff so i would have said i think it was the chart one of those things where the chart show pl- plays a particular song and, and i'd have been thinking oh i don't like big oh actually i might listen to it. oh i quite like this um, and i was kind of so so i do own that I, I only own that particular album of, of, of Deacon Blue. <laughs> yeah, the, um, um, thinking back to that sort of early 90s thing as well, sort of, I mean, would, would you say, was it the thing that they would call, like, probably itself the Wonder Stuff, and Atomic Dust, was it all called Grebo at the time? Yeah, that's what, I think yeah. that's what Enemy and Melody Maker gave yeah. the nickname for it. And you had sort of various other bands as well, weren't necessarily Grebo, but sort of were around at the time, like the new Fast Automatic Daffodils rings a bell. Uh, and yeah, as you said, Kingmaker. And I remember going out with a girl at uni who really liked um, Sultans of Ping. Or was it Sultans of Ping FC? I can't remember. If that was their fault. Yeah, I've heard, I don't think I know much from them, but I know the name, certainly. I think um, they were the ones that did Where's My Jumper? Is either them or the Franklin yeah. Waters? Yeah. I think I probably, I think I probably like Jesus Jones best out of the, the and maybe Kingmaker, although he didn't play those ones quite as much. And Jesus Jones were a bit more poppy in the, well, I suppose yeah. what the stuff was as well, but there was certainly a, a sort of difference anyway. Um, I liked, um, I liked Jesus Jones up to a point, but being, you know, a very, very amateur musician and, you know, on a Saturday going around various music shops in Cambridge and getting glared at by, you know, people working there. Jesus Jones always seemed to remind me of the people that hadn't really sort of made it in the music business and were working in music shops. So they always seemed a bit too sort of professional for me. I think I preferred sort of the stuffies. They seemed a bit more sort of um, down to earth, shall we say. Did you, did did you, um, because I would say that, I mean, I, I obviously I have lots of footage of me from around that time and, and I, and I look younger, and I, 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 and I once cut my fringe by mistake because I was like, oh, I don't want. And I, I, when I first went to university, I'd never been to a hairdresser other than the one near my parents, and I was a bit scared about going to a hairdresser, so I tried to do that it, as well. Yeah, I, I tried to do it myself and cut my fringe too short. But generally, I'd say that that sort of period at university, I don't have embarrassing haircut 
haircuts or fashions because that Britpop was quite a jeans and t-shirt time. It wasn't a, Indeed. it wasn't like the, it wasn't like the eighties, but, but I know there were some people who have the exception. If you were into a particular type of music that did have a different image around that time. But I, I, I don't think I can say that that is the case with me, but uh, I think with Britpop, yeah, you could sort of, it would be a bit of a Britpop unicorn sort of bordering a bit more on the sort of Jamiroquai style of like Puma, Oh no, not Puma, Adidas Gazelle trainers with like jeans, maybe slightly flared jeans and a, you know, a retro t-shirt. But then I can distinctly remember being in Camden, you know, sort of, sort of in like 97, 98 and <laughs> seeing people, you know, uh, dressed pretty much like John Pertwee circa 1971, you know, free <laughs> shirts and all. So, yeah. Yeah, it, it uh, I, I think had I been f- just even five years younger, I might have, might have more embarrassing photos in the, the, uh, in, the in, in the attic. But uh, although I'm sure there's plenty of embarrassing Sutton Park moments, but uh, just not necessarily what I was wearing. But. I've not got many photos myself, but I'm sure I could probably get someone to dig out a photo of me when I had long hair and I had my leather jacket, mm. which was um, do a go for the time. Um, I've been watching a bit of the TV coverage of the you know stuff the queen and everything and they're in edinburgh and it's reminded me i had a friend that uh, was at uni in edinburgh and i hitchhiked up once to edinburgh it was mm. quite sort of daring of me i mean these days you know just walking down to the shops is quite a challenge for me in terms of like not sort of necessarily physically but like mentally it's like oh that means mm. i've got to sort of probably talk to people and like sort of interact and i can't can't face it like i was mortified when i went out earlier and I was listening to a podcast. I've been catching various various podcasts over the last few days. So I was um, enjoying, I'll try and say this carefully, I was enjoying a bit of the cinematic sausage. Uh, yeah. I think it's the Blue Lamp episode. And uh, my headphones cut out, the battery ran out. It was like, oh no, what am I going to do? I'm stuck in the supermarket and like I can hear people. <laughs> that was quite traumatic. But um, yeah, there's a picture of me somewhere with long hair. I did sort of have my hair sort of grow to a certain length. But then I think it was my mum had this weird logic because it was coming up to my finals and she said that I need to get my hair cut because it can interfere with my thinking or my writing or something when I was hunched over a desk, <laughs> uh, which I wasn't entirely, entirely sure of the sort of um, logic of. I, I was um, definitely when it came to exams, even though I vaguely prospered in my exams, but I was definitely one of those people in the exams that, you know, in that state, um, you know, you may start, you may turn over your papers and start writing. And about five minutes later, everyone there scribbling away. And I'm there like a sort of meerkat, sort of sticking my head up, looking around. <laughs> What's everybody doing? Well, you know, why are they so busy with stuff? I'm not busy. I can't focus on this. You know, <laughs> oh, oh, I better write something so, you know, I don't fail this exam. So, yeah, I was always that person. <laughs> that was like sort of like, you know, sort of not sort of hunched over a desk doing exams because I was like far too sort of... Um, away with the fairies to think about other things really so um it's um interesting i worked for the nhs we went through a reorganization in 2019 and so me being me the week of when i had to do various sort of tests and jumping through hoops i decided to go to the singapore grand prix and you think sort of you know once you finish school or whatever uni that's it you're done with exams but no like a bad horror movie they come back and they attack you again and we're going through a, another reorganization at work and 
there's a possibility that I'm going to have to do some more tests and things, which fills me with, yes, the same amount of dread, but we shall see about that. Got the same thing a bit with my proofreading course. Indeed, yeah. The second, the second course involves doing coursework and 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 although I was fine doing the first course where you're doing you're sort of doing it online and not having to interact with anyone, the thought of having a tutor who marks my work is sort of sort of a bit scary because it's not happened for. It's not even a, a serious subject that I would say. Oh well, I'm definitely very good at this. Uh, so, um, so I've sort of, well, partly because of my arthritis, rheumatism, whatever it is, I wasn't able, I, I had to sort of put a hold on doing the coursework anyway, although I'll probably start considering doing it again soon. But, yeah. uh, and they've, they've given me a bit more time. Unfortunately, it's one of those courses where you pay for it, but they kind of say, oh, oh you should do it in six months, because I'm sure you could do it in six months if you didn't have the problems I've had recently. But, yeah. Uh, but I think there's also a sort of confidence thing in there as well. Of, of <laughs> um, you know, it's it sort of you think, well, there must be lots of other people doing this course who are much better or much more observant. Um, I know that's always the sort of fear, isn't it? Like, um, as I said, when it comes to like work, and as I say, if I'm going through a merger thing, there's like that sort of classic sort of uh, thing of putting yourself down a bit and thinking oh, I'm rubbish, everyone's going to be better than me at this, you know, and like, you're starting from that sort of bad mindset and you've got to sort of drag yourself out of it. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm trying to not think about sort of my potential sort of, yeah, merger, test, redundancy mm -hmm. situation mm -hmm. and just sort of carry on with other things. I mean, one thing, which is study of sorts, is obviously I am relearning French, I would say. Mm -hmm. So, and there's this sort of possibility at some point that I'll need to take, uh, or I will sort of take another qualification in French if I decide, uh, I mean, it's a bit way off, but if I want to get French citizenship, then yeah, you definitely have to sort of show a sort of a certain level of sort of comprehension with yeah. French. Um, my wedding in France was quite interesting because I was kind of briefed a bit, so... I kind of knew when to sort of say we oui and nor and nod and this, that and the other. But I did have also a friend of a friend translating for me. And uh, I gave my wedding speech. I gave two different wedding speech. I think they were different in content. Mm -hmm. I gave my wedding speech in English and French. And that was it. The best man speech. Well, I had two best men a long story but one of them actually lives in france so one best man speech in french and the other one did a best man speech in english and the one in english i think completely went over the french's heads and <laughs> it was um <laughs> if i was to say it was quite trobiesque i think you you would understand what i meant and like mm. i was there giving them absolute daggers because they were like sort of you know making light of my you know sort of romantic history and this that and the other and sort of using various means in order to humiliate me and all these Frenchies here just smiling away you know without any awareness of what they were talking about
Steely, you've still got time for you to ask a question. Steely has a question about... Yes, you do, don't you? Uh, he wants to know a bit more about the Cat Cafe in Singapore because we, we you haven't told us that much about that. I've seen photos, but Steely wants to know. So, I think... Cat cafes originated, I think I'm told they actually originated in Korea, not Japan. But, I mean, you can split the difference. I think they started with people living in rented accommodation that weren't allowed to have pets. Mm. So they'd go to these cat cafes and you'd go there and you could buy sort of, you know, hot drinks and snacks and things and sort of interact with the cats. And I think the first... Actually, the, the first cat cafe I went to is when I was in Japan in 2015. Mm. And it was completely innocuous, the location of it. First of all, I wouldn't have stood a chance of finding it if I hadn't spoken to the concierge at the hotel. I literally had to say, I've seen this cat cafe thing in the Lonely Planet, you know. And then he had to sort of get a taxi and tell the taxi driver exactly where to go. Because it was just in this very nondescript office block. You know, it was just like on the third floor of this office block. You'd never tell. And I went there and, yeah, it was a very sort of Japanese experience and very sort of polite. And I distinctly remember that whilst I was there, I was talking to the manager, the manageress, and explaining how I was sort of, you know, doing a bit of a sort of round-the-world trip. And one of the reasons I'd been able to do it is because my cat had died. And I showed them a picture of my old cat, mm. Holly, and she just burst into tears when I was telling her the story about my cat, you know, passing away. Even though, you know, Holly had a fairly good innings at the age of 13 and stuff. So uh, that was my first cat cafe. And then I'm not sure exactly why or how I stumbled upon the one in Singapore. And I think I must have seen a video on YouTube because it's one of those things when you're going somewhere, you think, oh, what else? Because it's in an area called Bugis, which has got like a sort of um, undercover markets where you can sort of buy all kind of, sort of touristy things and there's places to eat as well. But just next to it is this cat cafe, but again, in just a completely nondescript office block. And Angelique was obviously very sort of keen to go. And I think now, for the times that we've been to Singapore, we always try and sort of pencil in a visit. Uh, and it... Obviously, depends on how the cats are feeling, if they want to sort of, you know, be friendly or not, because they've got like a little area where they can um, effectively hide. But uh, I would say when we were there, we we were there for about an hour, and you pay something like you paid something like seven pounds fifty, and you got a free drink with that. So we had like a can of Fanta or whatever it was, and we we're there for an hour, and there was probably about sort of five or six cats roaming about, but in, probably in total, they have about 20 cats at the Cat Cafe. If you're on Instagram, I mean, if you just search for Cat Cafe Singapore, I mean, there's a, f a few, but it's the one in Bugis. And um, it is funny because I've been there sort of several times now, I sort of recognise certain cats and do that thing where, you know, I'm talking to the cats and saying, oh, we've got, we've got a cat at home, pussy cat, and he's called Monroe, and like, we're really missing him. And the cat's sort of looking at you thinking, why are you talking about your cat? You know, this is about me, you know, <laughs> where are my treats? So, uh, no, it's good. It's a good place to go to and um, something a bit different. Well, in London that I nearly went to a few years ago and we had it like a, it booked. And then I think the day we were supposed to go, 
I think the weather was absolutely atrocious and maybe there was engineering works which we didn't know about when we booked it and it was just oh no we're gonna have to not go we never really never rescheduled unfortunately but uh, um but I, yeah this, the cat cafe in leeds i think has just shut down mm. being a victim of covid and i think now with the sort of the worries about sort of energy costs i think it is in the process mm. of shutting down and very sad i think they got burgled a few times which is awful as well mm. so i think they've just decided they're closing it down i think the same people have another one in Nottingham, which I've been past, but I've not been to. But yeah, a bit sad. But uh, Monroe is due his his vaccinations soon. He's booked in for the um, end of the month. Yeah. But um, Angelique's taken him to a vet to the vet because it's a bit of good cop bad cop. He really doesn't like it when I take him to the vet, and Angelique's much more sort of much more diplomatic. So um, she'll be sorting that out. But the main cat news, I guess, is how he's got this friend stroke interloper called, well, we call him Fluffy. It's basically another black cat, the Fluffy Tail, that, you know, very original, we call him Fluffy, <laughs> who keeps coming to say hello. But yeah, Monroe does not want anything to do with him. So there's been a few standoffs. Mm. And um, there's a bit of a sort of turf war over who gets the, the roof on next door's shed. So I think today Monroe's winning that because I've seen him on the, the roof earlier. But um, <laughs> it's an ongoing situation. So yeah, still to be monitored. Mm-hmm. So yeah. In terms of the cat cafe in Singapore, uh, yeah, we went on our sort of grand grand tour in the summer. But it was kind of a sort of how should I call it? A sort of final blowout, for want of a better word. Because just not sure when we'll be doing anything like that again in the near future. Mm. In previous years, because I've got a friend that lives in Singapore, I've been over to the Grand Prix, which is the end of this month, September. Mm. But there's no chance of going to that. Just the airfares are just horrifically expensive. Mm. So in terms of our travel, we might go to France for Christmas. And next year, who knows? Who knows? Difficult to say. Mm. But um, yeah, I definitely think we'll be spending... <laughs> Quite a lot of time at home. Yes. Mm. Well, I suppose um, Didi has as 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 he's moved on. Are, are you telling me we have to stop? Is that what is that what you're saying? You're going an hour actually. Yeah. yeah. I, should, I should stop as well because actually I think I'll be abducted or something. Um, <laughs> and I need to get another cup of tea. But um, yeah, yeah was, as all. Yeah. Good to catch I up. Mean, indeed. Uh, watch the space in terms of. Any uh, musical offerings that will come your way? As I say, in some respects, I've just sort of um, stepped back a bit to sort of think, right, what bits are working, what bits aren't. Mm-hmm. And so I started on one new, one new thing yesterday, and it might be that I ditch both of them and start on a third new thing tomorrow, but we'll see. <laughs> it, it depends how work, um, work pans out this week as well. We are pretty much going to be here... M- most weekends now, I think. I mean, the only time we're going away is the 21st of October, which is like the school half term. We're going to Keswick for a few days. Yeah, that's actually when I'm going to Kent. I didn't know that was half term week. That's annoying. <laughs> I'm worried I'm surrounded by, uh, by you. But anyway. Um, and that trip, well, I mean, as usual, it will depend on the weather, but... It'll be different from my trip that I did over the bank holiday, which was a solo one, where I sort of 
very much went uphill and down dale because uh even though i mean i guess a bit like you in some respects even though actually loves the lake district loves the scenery and stuff she's not going to be sort of wanting to sort of you know be out Mm. all day tramping up mountains and things she tends to have a rule of you know must be back in the pub by 2 p.m kind of thing so yeah it'll be a bit more relaxing than my my previous trip although having said that sort of it's definitely changing uh, Keswick. Um, the people I stayed with over the bank holiday weekend, they've decided to sell up their, um, their guest house. They've been there for nearly 20 years, I think it is. And they've decided for various reasons uh, to sell. I mean, they're retiring, but just, you know, COVID was difficult for them. What's also happening, which is kind of now having a sort of um, cumulative effect, is that a lot of the guest houses are um, being sold and turned into holiday lets because mm. if you own a holiday let you know you don't have to wake up the crack of dawn and start cooking breakfasts or you know sort of make up beds or wash sheets or do all the other things you know you, what you tend to do you buy your property and then you basically just get an agency to do all the sort of tree stuff for you and they take your cut and then you sort of take your cut so it's sort of a definite sort of feeling that sort of things are changing and the bad thing is for people you know, people that live there locally, it puts even more of a squeeze on the um, the housing market. So mm-hmm. you'll hear, like, when you go into pubs and stuff, like, people who are sort of working in a pub in Keswick, they're, like, coming in from, like, Cockermouth or further afield. It's like, whew, that's pretty... I have, I have to go back to Braithwaite. There's less and less... There's more and more owned by holiday property bond and less sure. and less owned by people who probably grew up there. But. Sure. And I must admit, as I'm getting older now, I'm kind of sort of definitely morphing into my dad because the allure of staying in the guest house and going out to the pub every night be it for drinking or for food is starting to wear thin because it's just too darn expensive it really is it's just like it just really adds up so and i think there could be a time when we go in the future that we'll just rent a place and just you know you'll have the flexibility for starters of not this breakfast is at half eight which you get with quite a lot of guest houses. Because the problem is when they say breakfast is half eight, by the time you've finished and try and park up for your walk, all the spaces are gone. So, you know, there's, always, sort of, there's always a possibility in the future, if I'm a bit more, if I get a bit more mobile, a bit more energy, that I could I could get something in Braithwaite um, again and uh, at a time when you were up there as well. Sure, um, I was going to say vice versa. If I, if, if I see somewhere and say, right, this is booked because, relatively speaking, I think, I mean, you'd probably have to do at least one change, but you can get the train up to Penrith. Penrith. And I usually get a bus from Penrith. But. Yeah, and it's only about, it's only about sort of 20, 30 minutes on the bus from like Penrith to Braveheart, isn't it? So, yeah. yeah, definitely a possibility. And as I say, I don't think we're necessarily going to be um, doing any of our far-flung adventures at all. But um, no, it's, it's interesting how things are changing, very much so. Okie dokie. Well, thank Gosh. you very much. No, thank you. I will speak to you soon in some shape or form. And yeah. bye-bye deals. And um, yes, I'll get um, Angelique to say hello yeah. in an inimitable way as well. Okay. Yeah. Thank soon. you very much. Speak soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Well, listeners, that's all we've got time for. I hope you enjoyed our chat with Muffley. And, uh, yeah, uh, I'm sorry it took a while to get into the actual episode because the suggestions for who... I always make this mistake, don't I? Getting them to suggest guests and they come up with ridiculous suggestions. Anyway, nobody's around, so uh, I, I think I can probably get to the end of the episode without being interrupted. That's what you might think, Paul. Thank you, Yeti Uncle John. All right, well, thank you for listening. Um, I'm sure Muffley will be back. I'm sure the regulars will be back. I I know for sure that I'll be back. So, um, yeah, join us again soon. We've got plenty of episodes in the can. You take care. We'll say goodbye for now. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye-bye. Yeah, goodbye. lovely to have Muffy back on the show. I realise now that I was quite off the mark with my suggestions. I don't know why I didn't think about Muffy. I guess I I was really off the mark. I can't explain it. Yes, well, at least I suggested people who actually do appear on the show sometimes. You did, Eek, yes. That was quite astute of you. But, uh, oh, well, um, it's nice that we have some new voices on the show this year, isn't it, Paul? Is very nice, yes. It's uh, very nice indeed. We've got plans for other episodes with Muffley as well. Um, I better not say anything though, we don't, um, uh, yeah, just in case. The year is racing on, Paul. Uh, you know, there's only so much more you can achieve before 2023. <laughs> that year, that big year. Uh, yes, thank you, Yeti Uncle John. It's a very special year, isn't it, Paul? I wouldn't say that. Well, if something big happens to you in that year, in 2023... Oh, yes. Oh, yes, you become very old. Thanks, Cromarty. I mean, I'm surrounded by old folk here. I mean, Cromarty, you're hardly a spring chicken and, and neither did your Uncle John and... And Ick, I, I don't know how old you are. You don't want to know. It doesn't compute. Uh, anyway, well, I can hear the theme music coming. Let's not discuss 2023 quite yet. I, I, I'm happy to remain in my 40s for as long as they last. Oh, yes, Paul. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Dear, oh, dear, yes. All right. <laughs> Say goodbye. Goodbye, listeners. <laughs> oh, goodbye. I'm not saying goodbye. There's still another bit to come after the uh, theme music. And I tend to be in it. Oh, great. It's been good, but yeah, definitely time to come home now. This show is part of the Pride 48 Network. 
find more shows over at pride48.com. Oh, dear. <laughs> What's going on now? Oh, it's the Shy Life Podcast. Let's go. I have a voice. I have a voice. You have a voice. You have a voice. We have a voice. We have a voice. Unique voices in podcasting. Univospods.net. I'm still here, Paul. I thought you might be. Yes, I'm still here. Uh, yes. Look, I've got a range of merchandise for you. I thought you might like it. Avenger merchandise. I know you've opened your red bubble shop. Uh, I've seen some of the the things with the logos on, but this is commemorative merchandise. I've knocked up specially. Happy now. Commemorative for what? The second appearance of Muffley on tour on the show. But, it, but he's been on the show loads of times. I mean, yes, fair enough. It's the second time we've chatted. Yes, yes. This is commemorative stuff. I, I don't know. If there's a demand for it, no offence to Muffley, but um, I don't know. People aren't really buying much merch, really. Um, Carl, come on, Paul, have a look. It's a T-shirt. It's a T-shirt? Yes. It's a picture of you and Muffley. I took it off the, uh, I took it off the, 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 the uh, Skype footage. But, 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 um, really? Did you have to? I hadn't done my hair. Oh, you have hardly got any hair. Thank you. Yes, it's nice, isn't it? It's a lovely T-shirt. I can see people wearing that. Why did you choose that particular shot? I'm, uh, I'm mid-talking. I, my, my mouth is half open at a weird sort of angle. Yes, Paul. Well, that's how I see you. I'm sorry. No, that's how I see you with a, a weird expression on your face. Do you now? Did you have to choose those colours? Why didn't you just? If you had to choose that photo, why didn't you just? in colour rather than what is that that's that's like magenta and, and gold I've never seen those two colours together oh I think they work quite well do you I'm not sure that anyone could recognise us from that photo a magenta and gold version of Muffley and Mr Yeti oh I can recognise you yeah, but you know where you got the photo from I guess so is there anything else in this range Yes, it's a bit like your Red Bubble account. Uh, by the way, why did you call your Red Bubble uh, account um, Snowman Seventy Three or whatever you called it? Why didn't you call it Shayetti? Oh, well, I already had an account with that name, and and uh, I could have. I guess I should have just opened a new one, but I don't know. Does it matter? It's all about branding, Paul. Dear oh dear, I have to give you a good talk on branding. Will you? Well, great. Um, so what the? Just the, there's just the t-shirts or there's a mug there's a mug and there's a hat and there's a a, a mini skirt and uh, um god there's lots of things uh, like uh, things for phone cases and everything it's uncle john i don't know why you didn't pick a better photo we could have posed we're probably going to meet up sometime we could have posed for a photo even then i i oh i think i need to have a lie down yeah, you go and do that paul have a think about uh, which of these uh, merchandising uh, options you want to purchase. <sighs> yes. Thanks, Muffley. Thanks for being on the show. <laughs> I need to lie down. Oh, dear. Dear, oh, dear. You've got no stamina, that boy. No stamina. Oh, God, what is that? Is that slime? 
It's slime, slime, it's slime. Hicks, get over here and clean up that slime. Oh, kitty, kitty, gilly. Prefer kitty, kitty, gilly. <laughs> oh, I love Didi. Man, was that worth it or not? Oh, my goodness. That was a darling little shoe. This is just the weirdest thing I've ever heard. 579 Whoa, I love that one. <laughs> Great show, Paul. Yup. That was a good See you later.